You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. Yes, that's right. Today, I am talking to someone who is not only a, a person practicing abstinence, which means not having sex. In this case, we're talking not having sex until marriage. But someone who actually helps other people out, has a podcast of their own, has uh, books and a website and helping men and just talking about the ideas and the pros to waiting to have sex till marriage. Now, I know that's kind of funny, right? That goes against a lot of the things I've said here on the podcast. However, I do enjoy talking to people who have different opinions than mine. I do enjoy having conversations with all different types of people on the podcast. As you know, if you've been listening for a long time, I talk with everyone from sex workers to people in polyamorous relationships to swinging to now abstinence. So we're just getting a nice broad view. And I want this podcast to be a resource for you for all areas of dating, sex, and relationships, which is why I had Rob on here to talk about abstinence. So it's more of a one-sided interview, so to speak, or I should say it's a more of an interview, not much of a conversation, because I just wanted to hear him out and hear what Rob had to say here about abstinence. Of course, I had some questions, and I bet you I'm going to be reading your mind because you and I are probably very much alike, and I'm going to be asking some questions that you are also going to have. You're probably going to be like, well, what about this? And what about this? And so I hit him with some of those. Like, well, what about this part? What about this part? Which I'm not going to ruin for you now. You're going to hear very soon here on the podcast. And I think that you're going to enjoy it, whether or not you end up going to this extreme route or not. It is something interesting to learn. So why don't we just hop into it right now? Here's my interview with abstinent expert, Rob Kowalski. Hey, Rob. How's it going, man? Good to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Tripp. It's awesome to be here. This is going to be an interesting one because, you know, we're uh, talking about things that I don't normally talk about. <laughs> and, you know, it's not really, it's not an episode to, to argue or to even necessarily disagree. I'm coming in this from pure curiosity. I just want to hear what this is all about and who you are and and just kind of get your perspective on things. That's what it's all about on my end. So why don't you tell the guys who you are, what you preach, what you teach, and how you got into all this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I love that you have an open mind and are even you know giving me the opportunity to share. So my name is Rob Kowalski. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. I used to be the most sought-after male stripper um, in my home state. Of Maryland, and I was a big man whore. <laughs> I transitioned from stripping into nightclub promoting in my mid twenties. Uh, you know, it had more popularity and money and casual sex than even when I was stripping. And at the age of twenty seven, I had this radical encounter with Jesus, and where I, you know, became aware that he was who he said he was, and yet he was calling me to follow him. So I did this. This radical 180, I, I completely changed and turned my, you know, went from being, like I said, the biggest man whore in, in the city to being abstinent for the next six years. 
really with no understanding of it at all, uh, of the concept of waiting, actually thought it was just a, a stupid idea. Even marriage to me was just ridiculous. But from living at polar ends of the spectrum, I started to really understand sex. And in a way that maybe other people don't because they haven't lived at the extremes. So years later, I decided I was going to write a book about the subject. I did that called Why Waiting Works. And while I was writing the book, I made a video called 10 Reasons Not to Have Sex Before Marriage, which became the number one video in the world on the subject. I think it still is uh, with like 1.7 million views. And I just was really kind of trying to break it down for people practically why it's in their best interest to wait until marriage to have sex, which I know it sounds crazy. What it sounded crazy to me years ago, but I I felt like, again, I could explain it in a way that most people probably hadn't heard before. And I think that that was part of even what led me into trouble, some of my trouble, at least anyway, was because no one could ever tell me why. You know, I, I went to church as a kid a little bit when I was younger and, and I heard, you know, people tell you, yeah. not to have sex, but they, no one ever told you why you shouldn't do it. And, you know, if you're like me, that just isn't going to fly. Like you want to know why if, if you can't explain it to me, I'm going to have to go out and experience it for myself. So that's really, um, you know, my message is, is kind of my goal in life is just really to help people understand the practicality of it and how that one decision will impact your entire life in ways that you can't even imagine when you first start out. It's impossible to imagine how that one decision will affect every single area of your life moving forward. Let's let's rewind a little bit. What was this come to Jesus moment? So I was actually in Cancun, Mexico with a bunch of friends on spring break partying like a rock star, more like a porn star probably. But I woke up from uh, a party and I didn't hear the audible voice of God, but I heard an unmistakable calling from God. And he had left lots of breadcrumbs on the trail that I wasn't supposed to see until that moment. And I saw them all. And he said, what's that? Be more specific. So I, I heard God speak to me. It started off with God speaking to me in the voice in my head. I I didn't even know it was God. So how it, how it originally started was I saw my girlfriend laying in bed naked, you know, when I had woke up and I, I guess I had asked myself this question a thousand times before this and never realized I was doing it. But I asked myself the question, are you in love? And every other time I'd done that before, I, I would answer myself, one day you'll grow to love her. And this day, I answered no. And that was the first time I'd ever answered myself like that. But it was a very clear no. And I remember thinking, where the hell did that come from? And God told me that if I would start doing relationships His way, that I would be able to find true love. I know that's a little vague, just what I just said. But it, actually, what happened was he he spoke to me about this girl. He said, this is the person for you. Again, I didn't know this was God. I thought I was having some really weird epiphany because I didn't even believe in marriage or even being in love up until that moment. I just thought that you stayed with the person that hit the most of your mental checkpoints. But I remember when I heard no, I asked myself a second question and said, who are you in love with that you haven't had sex with then? And if you would have asked me that question the day before, I would have said all of them. That's the problem because I was girl crazy. And if one name popped in my head, it was a girl that lived in California that I'd known that moved out there a year earlier. I had always thought she was attractive, but that was about it. But I was completely sure that this was the person for me. So much so that I sat down on the bed, I cried, I knew I was going to break up with my girlfriend. And then I tried to go to the payphone, this is 20 years ago, and call the girl. She was dating somebody else and again, lived 3,000 miles away from me. And 
again, up until then, I just thought that I was having this weird realization or, you know, like that I was just like, oh my gosh, so figured, I had figured something out, out. And it was over the next, I guess, 24 to 48 hours where God, I started to realize that it was God speaking to me. And he was starting to send me other signs that it was him. Things about things that happened in my past or even things that I was going to experience in the future. And that's when I, it was like, I, I, it's hard to explain if, you, if you're not a person of faith because, you know, it's, sometimes it just sounds like you're a little bit nutty. But he sent me very clear signs that he was calling me and that he had this, this plan for me and I followed. And I, I, I guess the closest thing I can um, compare it to would be like Neo in the Matrix when he got red-pilled. I just felt like all of a sudden, I, my eyes were open to this world that I had never even known was, you know, known existed before that. Is it possible that maybe you had this moment and it made it easier to go to a place of abstinence, right? No sex because you've already had past experiences? So people have said that to me before. They're like, well, it's easy for you because you had your fun. And I said, yeah, it doesn't work like that though because you don't get it out of your system. You know, it's like... true. It's like trying heroin to get it out of your system. You get addictions is what happens. It's not easier to quit. It's harder to quit. It's, and I had to go through severe like moments where it was like almost like withdrawal, you know, because I was so used to not only sex, but just everything that led up to sex, all the courting and, and, you know, flirting and the dating and everything that led to sex was probably my biggest pastime. And when you stop doing that, then you have to figure out, well, how do I even live? Because that was right, so... What else, is, what else is life? That was the source of all, yeah, all my fun. It was all wrong. Everything was wrong, I realized. So it wasn't easy. It was extremely difficult. And I don't relate to religious people, which made it even worse because I, I went to church. Church was great on Sundays, I thought. Really nice people. But six and a half days a week, I was sitting around with my thumb up my ass, like not knowing what to do or who to deal with. And it was very difficult. And the girl that God spoke to me about lived 3,000 miles away and she was dating somebody else. So it wasn't like I could even date out of loneliness, which I'm sure would have happened if I'd been given that option. But because he spoke one person specifically to me, I had to sit and wait, which was ex- exactly what led me to starting the nonprofit that I started years later because I realized how big the problem was uh, that people date out of loneliness because they need community is what they really need. They need healthy relationships with other people of both sexes. And when you don't have that, you'll do a lot of bad stuff. You'll escape reality using drugs. You'll you, you know you'll connect with porn or gambling or whatever. You'll you'll connect with something. You'll use something to mask the pain of the fact that you don't have these healthy relationships, these life giving relationships. And did and you I, have other addictions with this? Were you doing oh, yeah. drugs, partying? Like did yeah. anything else go along with this besides sex? Yeah, yeah. I we, I use drugs regularly. Like which ones? Ecstasy, some cocaine, uh, GHB, sometimes other things, depending on what people were, you know, if, if I was at a party and there were other things floating around, I wasn't that discreet, you know, but those were the, the main things. Did you stop those too? Did everything stop? Oh, yeah. Cold turkey from that moment on. I never, so I never stripped another day after that. I broke up with my girlfriend at the time that I was dating because I had been cheating I was absent for six years. I cut off all my friends because they were all partiers and I, I knew that they would 
lead me to a bad place, uh, you know, continuing to hang out with them, I would, I would, you know, I wouldn't be able to, to make the changes if I wouldn't have cut off the relationships. So I had to l- l- literally change everything about my life in order to follow the path. Now you went to the extreme. And we're just talking about sex, right? right? You went to the extreme of no sex until now. Are you married now? No, I'm not. Oh, you're not married now. Okay, not married so, now, and and still have never been in love. And when's the last time? So, but you will have sex if you get married. Yes, 100 percent. That's the strategy. I mean, that I think that I can, you know, even when we get into the that part of the conversation, that I could. I don't want to say prove, but it's pretty hard to debate me because I I've lived it again. I've lived on both sides. Most people, you know, pastors will tell you not to do it, and they probably haven't gone out and done what I've done. Like literally hundreds of women slept with hundreds of women. I was the king of the one night stand, and I can tell you where it always led me into the relationships and what they were like, and how those relationships played out. And then now being on the flip side of waiting, how difficult it is, but also with the fruit of that decision, I'm doing this not really for any other reason besides selfish. I mean, I do want to, you know, be obedient to God. There's definitely that. But I definitely see that waiting, making that one decision is the key to getting everything that you want most in life. So do you masturbate? I have. (laughs) Definitely not perfect in that area. But I can say it's a lot fewer and farther between those moments than when I started. I mean, when I started, obviously, I had an addiction and I was... It was a, a huge struggle. I want to say though, that there was probably even a year and a half where I didn't do anything, not masturbate or look at porn or anything for a year and a half, just because I was so determined to be, you know, who I, I guess, a good Christian boy, for lack of a better term. Okay, and you've been, how long has it been since you've had sex? So, I rededicated my life nine years ago. So, what this is the way it worked out for me was I was abstinent for six years. I don't know if you you speak Christianese, but I backslid. I returned to some of my bad behavior inadvertently just because I was so lonely and bored. I, I started going back to the bars because I wanted to be around people on the weekends. Started picking up my bad habits, became sexually active again, slept with a ton more women, rededicated my life a few years later, went through the same period. Again, like I said, where I was I was, you know, sitting around by myself every night. So that was about that was a little over nine years ago. And I think I went three years completely, you know, sex free. And then I slipped up with a girlfriend one night and then I went another four years and then slipped up with a girlfriend about a year and a half ago. And these were just platonic friends that I just didn't maintain good boundaries with. So outside, you know, it's been, there's been two mistakes over the last nine years, you know, that I've made, not, not the, not the women. I don't refer to them as mistakes. I just refer to my actions. Okay. Got it. So what are the benefits what are the pros of doing something like this? Why are you such an advocate yeah. for, for not having sex until you're married? So uh, first, what I would, I would try to impress upon people is I, I do think that probably if there was one person that has lived at more polar ends of this subject out of anyone in the history of the world, that it would, I would be that person. I don't think that anyone's lived at such extremes as me when it comes to this. So it does give you a very unique perspective. But when people ask me that question, I always start off with, the numbers, you know, because they don't lie. And if you look at people that marry as virgins, and I cover a lot of this in my book, that only 6% of them get a divorce. But if you look at everybody else that doesn't wait, 50% of them get a divorce. 
And divorce is a very painful experience from what I'm told. They say it feels like death. A lot of people are very scarred after divorces to the point where they don't even want to get married again because it hurts so bad. And they, they think that marriage is the problem. And it's not marriage. It's the fact that they did things ass backward and they picked the wrong person. Because you know the way that we're wired is there are real hormones that, that get released during sex. Number one that I think of is oxytocin, which you're probably familiar with as a, you know, yep. like a dating coach. So you get this release of oxytocin during sex and it gives you feelings of love, but you're not really in love. There's the connections not deep. And then what happens is at least, you know, what had always happened to me was, so I would have sex quickly and either I would immediately lose interest the moment I ejaculated, which happened a lot. Or I would continue sleeping with some of the girls and I would drift into a relationship. And then it would always feel like something was missing. I'd be looking over my shoulder, other women wondering if I could be happier with them. Eventually I'm looking at pornography and then I'm cheating. And then I'm like thinking, well, you know, after that happened to me a few times, that exact scenario, I started to think, well, maybe there's something wrong with me or maybe human beings aren't supposed to be monogamous. But it wasn't that. The problem was is how I started my relationships. I wasn't asking myself the hard questions up front because all I was looking at women for was, am I physically attracted to her? Because I knew I was going to sleep with her. So I wasn't going, is she wife material? And then sometimes I was getting stuck with those girls or they were getting stuck with me. And then the thing that, that was missing all along just you know came to the surface. So if the 50% divorce rate isn't enough to scare you off, what I would ask people is this, is what percentage of the people that stay married are happy? Because I don't think it's high. I think it's I think it's probably in like maybe twenty percent, if that. Which would just prove to you that, it, it, regardless, whatever number that you pick, the odds are stacked against you of going about this the way that everybody else does and being happily married. Would you agree? Well, I think it is interesting that you know if you're going from I'm not having sex at all to then you finally are having sex with this woman that you're married to, that's a big jump. Right, it's like that's sure. a big jump, and it's going to make you pretty happy because now you're finally having sex. Right, and so I would imagine that in in your case, you know what you're presenting here that you've already had a lot of practice, in a way, a lot of mental exercise that has gone through not sleeping with anyone, but it probably makes you feel pretty awesome to be sleeping with that one person. Whereas maybe a person who slept with a lot of people, then jumping into a relationship, then getting married, it's like, oh, I remember that one time when I was having sex with a lot of women and that was fun. And now I'm just with this one person. So it's like you're almost going to, this is just one way of looking sure. at it, of course. I'm not saying this is the, what no. happens when you get married, but you know, this is something that brings you to like, oh, I'm having less sex. It's like your mind is like, oh, I'm, I mean, your body is like, I'm having less sex. And well, comparison so, is the thief of joy, right? There you go. Same. You're saying it way better than I am here. So I can see how, how that would be the case. I'm wondering though, is there any middle ground? Does it have to be so extreme? This is the reason it works. Not that waiting works is because as bad as I want the pleasure of sex, I equally don't want the pain of divorce. So you weigh it. You look at, I'll look at a woman that's beautiful and I'll go, man, I'd like to sleep with her. She's hot. And you go, would you sign the contract? The marriage contract. You ask yourself the question on the front end, so the back end. And what happens is you can see that what's missing right up front every time. But one day someone will come along and I'll ask myself that question. 
would you sign the marriage contract? And I'll have a big smile on my face and I'll say, yeah, I will. And that's how I'll know. But the thing is, is most people never find that person because they're not committed to going all in from the jump. They know in the back of their mind that there's going to be a payoff. So now when I see a beautiful woman, again, physical beauty is only one factor. I'm, I want all that. Physical, I do want a girl that's beautiful, but that's only one thing. I know that I'm not going to have sex with her unless we get married. So now I'm asking myself all the really hard questions. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So like, I have to refer to the Bible because that's my source of truth. But the, the word says the heart's deceitful above all things. So your heart will trick you into believing things that aren't true. So you give your body what it wants. So imagine you were dating a girl and you're, you know, you're not committed to waiting. Okay. And you're like, Sally, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Let's have sex. And she says, sure, Trip. Let's just go down to the justice of the peace real quick. Get married. You'd go, ooh, let me think about this a little longer, right? Yeah, that's the point. Because now I'm going to see if my heart's telling me the truth. Because I don't want to get myself in complicated and potentially drift into a relationship with the wrong girl and then be that couple at the diner that doesn't talk to each other because they, you know, they married the wrong person and they don't even really want to be around it, but they're stuck. I see it happen all the time, what they call it in, in Christianese as a soul tie. It's really just the oxytocin. You get stuck on the wrong person. And even though you're not in love, you kind of feel like you're in love. You don't want anybody else to bang them. And then you drift into a marriage. And then you get kids. And then you get financial entanglements. And now you can't break up. So you're saying sex gets in the way of knowing if this person is going to be a good partner for you. 100%. Why is the divorce rate 50%? Think about it. It isn't for people that wait. The divorce rate's 50%. And of the 50% that stay married, half of them stop having sex after year four. This is all documented. So sex is causing people to marry the wrong people. And then what the, the crazy thing is they don't even end up having sex. It's like, it's like the trick that God or the universe played on us. It's like, oh, you want to you lead with physical attraction? Watch what happens. You won't even want it. I mean, I would imagine that many of your listeners have heard the saying, Show me the hottest girl in the world and I'll show you a guy that's tired of fucking her. Right? You heard it? Heard it, yep. Why do you think that is? Because they led with physical attraction. I would be laying next to models, girls that were dimes. And I would look at them and, I, and there was nothing I would have changed about them physically. And I still just wanted to go to sleep because the connection wasn't deep. It didn't matter how hot they were. We weren't connected. you know. Like, And it takes time to figure that out. We've all met people initially where you're like, you know, someone of the opposite sex where your, your flesh is like, Ooh, she's hot. She's, or he's, he, he, he's sexy. If you know, you're a girl. And then after a week or two, maybe three, a month, you start looking at them differently and you're like, eh, they're good looking, but not for me. Right. We've all been there a hundred times because now you broke through the surface and now you're starting to see who lives inside that body. And, and, and what happens is because people aren't committed to waiting they don't even go through that process. The average amount of dates that an American's going before having sex is three. So they're not even giving themselves time to figure out who lives inside this tent. You know, they're just going with physical attraction. And then you have sex. Women especially get attached during sex because they, they release oxytocin when they orgasm. Men do not. Men release oxytocin when we commit. And then what happens is the woman will be chasing us around trying to get the commitment. And sometimes we start feeling obligated to them. And we're like, well, I'm going to make her my girlfriend because she deserves it. She's put up with enough of my shit. That, and we can't play the non-committal game anymore because we've been doing it for three or four months. Maybe we've been sleeping with people on the side, other women. And next thing you know, we have to commit to them because we feel obligated. 
And it happens all the time. It happened to me in every relationship that I've been in. It wasn't, I didn't get into it because I necessarily wanted to commit to him. I knew that if I didn't do it, she was going to leave and I didn't want other people to sleep with her because I'd been sleeping with her and I guess I felt territorial over it. But it wasn't because I thought that she was my best yes. You know, because again, I was looking over my shoulder at other women wondering if I could be happier with them. You don't do that when you say your best yes. When you know you're getting one, you weigh that decision a lot more carefully than you do when you go, I don't know if I want one. I might want 20. This might be one of the next 10. I don't know. And next thing you know, you take it for a test drive and you get stuck with a Toyota Camry when you really wanted a Lexus. Happens all the time. What about just waiting for a while? Why marriage? Why not just... Because of the pain. Why not just have sex with them 20, 30 dates in because of the pain. Because, mean meaning, because again, the pleasure of the pleasure of sex versus the pain of divorce. It would be the same as if I said to you, Trip. Look, you want to date my sister? No problem. You can even have sex with her. But if you decide that you don't want to take care of her anymore, I'm going to cut your head off. You'd be like, "Fuck, <laughs> let me think about this," because you don't want that pain. And the thing is, is how does that relationship play out if you don't wait? So let's say, okay, because this is what we want to do. By nature, we're all very selfish, whether we admit it or not. We want to go back. Okay. I love when people compare women to cars, which I, I mean, I don't I mean that facetiously, you know, inanimate objects, but they, you know, they say you got to take it for a test spin. I mean, so if we're going to go down that road. What we do is we, it's like we want to go in and we want to take something off the rack. We want to crack it open, take a sip, and then we want to put the lid back on and stick it on the rack for the next guy. It doesn't increase the value. If anything, it lowers the value, right? Because do you want to slap with or marry a girl that a million people have taken for a test drive? Probably not, right? I don't. But that's what we want to do in our selfish nature is we want to take it for a test spin. Leave, leave, if we don't like it, leave it for the next person. And that's just not... It doesn't play out long-term in everyone's best interest, including your own. So I, I just look at like all of this is delayed gratification. You know, it's a universal principle that applies to every single thing in life. You can't get around it. There's nothing in life that that doesn't give you long term. Ha- or actually, let's flip that. There's nothing where instant gratification gives you long term happiness. There's not one single thing, and sex is also part of that. Where you, if you delay, there's always a long term benefit. You have this down, man. <laughs> I mean, I've lived it, but this is, here's, here's the crazier thing. You covered all corners. This is what I explain to people. Thank you. This is the, the bigger thing for guys because it still doesn't convince guys because look, we, I want sex, man. It's so freaking hard to do. This is like the hardest decision ever. Is when a woman wants to give you, you know, sex, it's like free money. It's like, why would I say no to this? But it's, it, you fall into the sex trap and it ha- happened to me plenty of times where you drift into this thing and you don't really want to be in it and you're, you know, but then again, you're stuck with this person, I have friends in it right now that have been with these women sometimes 15 plus years and they're not happy, but they can't get out of it for whatever reason. There, there is, you know, like my first girlfriend, we were together for five years. Actually, we were together for four years. I was felt smothered in the relationship. I finally worked up the courage to go home one day and tell her I wasn't in love with her. We broke up about a month later. She started dating somebody else and then it threw me into a deep depression. So much so that I reeled her back in. I convinced her to break up with the guy she was dating, come back to me. And it was great for about two weeks. And then it returned to the original dynamics where I was like, shit, why did I do that? I was so I was free. 
And then another year goes by and I'm miserable for that next year. And then I tell her, look, I'm not sure if I'm in love with you. She breaks up. We break up again. She goes to start dating somebody else. Same exact thing happened. Threw me into a deep depression to the point where I, it was like I was in so much pain that I was just willing to do whatever she wanted me to do to come back. I mean, fortunately for both of us, she didn't come back that time. But I was caught in this thing, this sex trap that happens to people where, the, you know, like I don't want to get myself into anything that I can't get out of if I want to get out of it. Now, that's why I'm going to weigh it a lot more carefully. And waiting to have sex forces you to do that. And it allows you to say your best yes. Where I wanted to go with that, though, this is the one more point I wanted to add on. And this is a scripture, actually, in the New Testament. It, it talks about these two brothers named Jacob and Esau. I don't know if you know the story in the Old Testament, but it compares sexual immorality to these stories of these two brothers where the older brother in the Old Testament and all you know, the Jewish religion always had the birthright. They had twice as much as the, the younger brother when the father passed. They, would, they had the birthright. So Jacob, one day, the younger brother is cooking this stew in the house and the older brother comes in and, and he's starving. He says, hey, give me a bowl of stew. And Jacob says, sure, give me your birthright. And the older brother trades him his birthright for a bowl of stew. So in the New Testament, there's this verse and it says, let no one be sexually immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. And when I first read that, you're like, what does that have to do with sex? Like that was my first question is like, I don't understand this. But when you think about it, what you do when you're not committed to waiting and you, you go out and you have casual sex, you literally trade your birthright for a bowl of stew. You trade your something permanent for something very temporary. Because what I've done, I don't know if you know the concepts of sex transmutation from Think and Grow Rich. I actually talk about it in my book as well. But sexual energy is the strongest form of all human energies. And when you, you can harness it and you can rechannel it to accomplish some really amazing things like building wealth and you know inventing things and they say very notable people throughout history have done this and it for me it's been like this it's almost like damming a river where you can hold a river back with and that water builds 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 but eventually it finds an outlet and when it does man it goes and i've you know built a nonprofit that's got chapters all over the the country and even spreading internationally i've written a couple book a third book on the way coaching programs podcast i've done some incredible things using my sexual energy but if you would have looked at my life 10 years ago when I got back on this path of sexual purity, my life was, you know, I wasn't doing anything. You know, like I, had, I, was, a, I was a club promoter that was too old to be in doing what I'm doing. And I was just really not going anywhere. I didn't have a strong vision for my life. What if you don't want to get married? Well, I would say this is what, then, that's a great question. This is what I would, how I would answer that. I think there's a lot of people that don't want to get married because they've seen their parents do it ass backward. You know, the sexual revolution happened, I think, in the 60s. They saw a lot of people have sex and do exactly what I told you. They drifted into marriages with the wrong people and the marriage was shit. And then the, the kids see that and they're like, I don't want any part of that. No, thank you. I don't want to get married. But if I, I let me reframe this. Don't think, do I want to get married? If I ask your listeners, how would you like to meet your best friend that you're physically attracted to long term, not just short term, that could help you reach your purpose in life? Would you like that? Most people will go, hell yeah. Don't have sex before marriage. Help you find them. It's that easy. Don't think about marriage is just a tool. You know, I, that's what I believe. I believe it's just a tool to help me find that person. I want to find my best friend that I'm physically attracted to, my slam piece that I'm going to want to have sex with all the time. That can also help me reach my purpose in life. But I wasn't meeting those women when I was sexually active. I was just meeting girls that I was physically attracted to, that I was a one and done with, or that I drifted into a relationship and didn't have all the qualities of the person I was looking for. 
the chances of you getting hemmed up with the wrong one when you're not committed to waiting are very high. You might get lucky and hit the lotto, but I would say that you, you know, if there's anybody out there that's married and they did it the opposite way, congratulations because you beat the odds. This has been uh, very enlightening, I have to say. And that's the reason why I wanted you here on the podcast to just hear from you, learn about this, this other way of, of living. I did not know it was going to be more on the religious aspect of things, but either way, I feel like you're making an interesting case beyond whether or not God will punish you. <laughs> right. that's, that's why it's, it's interesting to hear from someone like that. Just because it's a it's a it's a unique viewpoint that you don't hear much in terms of the abstinence culture or community, however you want to say it. So this is this has been interesting. If guys want to learn more about this and they're just, you know, done with the How to Talk to Girls podcast, which definitely leads guys to sex, <laughs> and they wanna take this route, how would they be able to do that? Where can they find you? Yeah, it doesn't have to be an either or. I think there's definitely value in what you bring to the table. And, you know, you just have to know when to. Well, you got to get a wife somehow, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So learning, so you're right. Learning learning. And all that has to come in somewhere. Yeah. You know, you just, you, you just got to know when to stop. But they can go to the whywaitingworks.net. They can get a free copy of the book. There's a bunch of other free bonuses that come with it. You just have to pay for shipping and handling. Uh, they can check out cityfam.com, which is a nonprofit that I started a few years ago. And it's really just about, it's not about abstinence, you know, it, and it's not faith-based, but it, it really is about um, the need for community to become your best self. Like you, you can't make it alone. And a lot of people... I agree with that. Yeah. yeah a lot of people, for sure. Yeah. So, so cityfam.com is a great resource for people to do that. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Any last words that you want to say to the guys listening? No. I mean, again, I appreciate uh, you having me on and just... Hopefully the listeners were open-minded enough to, to listen to this thing to the end and not turn it off when I started talking about waiting. If they no, want to listen me personally, they can go to Rob B. Kowalski. That's my uh, my website and all my social media handles too if they just want to connect and you know ask me a question or chat. Cool. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes so guys can check that out. And I was just going to say, yeah, you know, I, I would imagine that the guys listening are open-minded because I do bring various topics uh, all the way from talking to sex workers to talking about polyamory and now talking to you. So it's just good to get an idea of all the different areas. So Rob, thanks so much, man, for doing this and being on here. And I will put some information on the show notes for guys to check you out if they want to do that further. Sounds great, Trip. I look forward to speaking with you on my podcast. Yes, I'm looking forward to that too. Thanks, man. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you.